Hello. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to um, our pod, our mini pod of how do we use the secret society to help HR professionals and all of those that are human work advocates and human debt fighters or human debt preventers get to a place where life is better. I'm Duena Blomstrom. I'm a human debt fighter and um, accidental and reluctant social entrepreneur is what I found out today. And I'll let Alessandra say hello herself. Yes, I'm Dr. Alessandra Pilizzi. I'm the CEO of Verdant Consulting. I'm also uh, the global liaison for ISO for psychological health and safety. So Alessandra is practically the human that's going to bridge between my insane, let's fix this faster before we die panic and, and, and understanding how that translates into your day-to-day job when you're an actual HR professional. I have never been an HR professional myself in, in, in those terms before uh, we all have, haven't we, in some ways, but um, I certainly cannot connect to exactly what it's like to be pulled between budgets, emergencies, people dying, kids, having to send a box for someone's laptop being returned and having to stop a CEO from saying we all have to return to work or else we're going to die. I have a lot of respect for the profession, but I don't know it like Alessandra does. That's why she's here. Now, we, last week we left you when we were very up in arms and having an absolute fit about the um, language we hear, the, the quality of the data. We we are served in some regurgitated uh, reports. We are very worried for the state of knowledge in both um, human matters and people matters and business matters and technology matters because what's happening in all industries is a... Um, what we would call an inflation of slightly less valuable. Okay, let's let's be honest. Okay, it's it's a load of bollocks coming from AI sources, coming from very junior sources, coming from people who have other interests and hard and quick transformation. There's a lot happening that will stop you from the fight you've been undertaking for. Bless you, God only knows how many years. Well, so and we- it's throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, right? Um, And there's a lot for, as an HR professional or as a leader who's committed to helping workplaces be more healthy and productive, um, it's hard to know kind of where, what to trust, what actually has been proven to work and what's just something somebody made up overnight. And it's hard to tell what the quality is. It's also really difficult. And it's maybe one of the first things that goes out the window in in times of crisis, and that's connected to the language we use, is our ability to spend enough time with things that they can uh, settle themselves in our mind and we can then decide their quality more easily. So when we are bombarded with information, we all do this. We we tend to kind of jump to conclusions really quickly and, and file things in terms of our respective biases and so on. So... When it comes to these bits, what our execs here in the very noisy and and confused world of people topics, I feel we have to be extra vigilant because what has I've been on and on that will happen has unfortunately happened. I was writing in, I found this by mistake when I got up in arms the other day, but I was writing in my People Before Tech book in 2018 this, I was saying, 
uh, um, it started in 2018, it was published in 2020, but what it was saying is as soon as we come out of the pandemic, what we're going to be looking at is a disaster in terms of mental health, a disaster in terms of people being willing to apply themselves like in the past in terms of learning and so on and so forth. So we need to change all these tenants, otherwise we're going to be in deep trouble fast and we cannot let it not land. And unfortunately, we have let it not land. Looking at the, at the world of work today, the conversation on all of this is not fit for purpose is dying out. The conversation of we must do some big moves, no one's ever going back to our don't be ridiculous, is dying out. Uh, the rhetoric is turned towards people who want to keep you in sandwiches and in, bu in buildings. And when that happens, you, you lose perspective of what's important. What's important is the moment in the world of work. And that is coming with changes of place, of method, of why, of who we are. And if we can't land these big ones, we're in trouble. To, for you guys to land these big ones, don't let them hear or don't let them listen to the bad data. Don't let them listen to the wooden language. Get your execs comfortable with like real words. Uh, I would say take them out for a swear words. Here's an idea. Take them out for a swear words day. Free swearing day. Just go ahead. I, I do this a lot in my in my uh, workshop sometimes with execs where I go, now we're swearing for an hour. Of course, no one does because that's not what we're used to doing at work. But when they start, God help us. Um, yeah. And it's that kind of liberty we want to get our execs to get to so that they can free their minds to ex to um rationally go, is this a value or is this something that I've seen in 2018 and they're regurgitating again? Or is this something that was told to me in 2018 and didn't trust it and I keep not trusting it and I'm just pick, cherry picking this data that shows me I'm fine because yeah. I'm fearful to admit otherwise. Yeah, well, so you and I were talking before the podcast about, about that mindset of I'm looking for things that tell me I'm fine. And, um, you know, one of the goals in us having these conversations is to equip people with the um, the data, the resources, the tactics, whatever it takes to help them either convince the broader organization and executive team um, to move this forward or and or have the framework to actually execute. So it's not about just convincing that it's important, but it's like, so now what? What do we do? Right. Right. And I would add a third, which is if you look around as a leader, as an HR professional, and you say, um, sorry, but my executive team doesn't get it, uh, now what? I mean, do you just set the whole place on fire and disappear? I, some of us don't have that opportunity, right? Some of us have to kind of make work work, work. for us, at least for now. And yeah. so how do I do that without burning myself out and um, you know, having to give up on my values on, you know, on giving a sense of myself away. And so there are skills and techniques we can put in place um, that, that, but I think the clarity is difficult right now because everyone seems to be throwing everything out. Like they are trying to connect everything from this hotel brand being focused on well-being to um this technology uh, solving all of those problems, um, none of which actually take into account the human debt or the science behind how humans work. It is what's concerning is, you know, we keep saying, ah, we don't have enough um, on the topic of these fluffy things, but we do. We have, we have a good solid 
20 things that are universally and beyond doubt true, right? And I, I don't know what they are for a fact, but I know that they have to do with how much money we lose on engagement. I know they have to do with the fact that absolutely no one in the world will agree that people are resources and we don't have any emotions. I know they have to do with the fact that we are all with like a better life. No one's doing it for just the good of the company. I know they have to do with very common sense, common experience of of knowledge workers, at least, right? I I very much always um, am careful to, to, to say that I don't know what the experience looks like for those of us that are not in the knowledge field, that it might not be applicable. But in general, if you work in a team, that's how you know you should be having this type of, 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 of human environment that allows you to be whole, to be healthy, to be respected, to be valued, and to be doing your best to have fun and bring your humanness to work. So we know these things, right? These are very basic. There's nobody that you can wake up in the middle of the night and go, do you intentionally want to be a dick? Or do you intentionally want to allow people to be a dick in your organization? Or do you? No, no one ever wants no, that. Right? No one goes to work to be to be a, a, a jerk, right? And I think the sense of maybe urgency, except Elon Musk, if we have to kind of make it fair. Yeah, fair. Um, the and the sense of urgency I think we need to pay attention to here is also that this isn't just impacting employees, which would be enough. It's not just. It's also impacting our our middle managers and leaders oh. and our executives. Absolutely. I mean, the psychology uh, today uh, listed this data from Deloitte's uh, well, workplace well-being uh, and their uh, assessment. And it showed that like 75% of the C-suite, not like exactly, are seriously considering quitting their jobs for one with better mental health support. Okay. So that's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. And so, uh, okay. Great. Facts. We know that this is impacting people. Now what? So let's define what are some of the ways in which we can take, take action. I, I think we, do, we need to, to stay with that discomfort a bit. It's impacting people. How is it impacting people? Um, I, I, I'll tell you why. Stay, stick with me for a second. I think what's missing is authentic leadership. I don't think what's missing is um, knowledge about what's needed to be a good leader we kind of all know you gotta be uh you gotta be inspirational by being super knowledgeable by being empathic and adaptive and kind and 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 servant and and capable and helicopter enough but i think the thing that's missing from that is how do i how can i also be a healthy leader exactly and that's exactly what i want to get to this is what i want to get to because even if we all know that those are your to-dos, right? The to- First of all, the to-dos are major. And if you are a, a leader who is, is, is um, how do I put this? At least a tiny bit self-respecting and you should be, go ask your, 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 your HR for, and your anyone else, your own pocket, your, your group, your, your family, whoever approves money for an uh, ability for you to become the best new type of leader possible right? Whatever that means to you. Just define what it means. Get there because you don't have right now the EQ to do it. Maybe you might not have the uh, practice to do it. Maybe you might not have the coach to do it. You might not, I don't know what you need, but figure out what you need. Get the pra- a practice around that. Get the money and the resources you need to become 
that leader that truly gets it, is quite on top of it, is aware of all the things. I I just am not willing to um, excuse people from from acquiring the knowledge that's that's quite available. But I will say it's hard to get it curated now. So what you, HR comes in for is to help you curate it and get the right things. With that said, as a, as a leader that gets burned out, I don't think we spend half the time to discuss what that looks like. I, I was just thinking the other day I was uh, speaking on um, on an interview and someone asked me something and I said, well, it's kind of like a locked in executive syndrome because you cannot talk about these things, right? You cannot start moaning about, oh my God, I cannot believe how many shits I have in my notepad that I can kind of deal with on my own. Um, and, and again, it's isolating at the top. You don't have a team at all. And that's the number one thing that I keep saying HR people can do today is go check them for a team. Where's your team here? What do you mean you're a team? Mm -hmm. How many times do you guys meet? Do you go out for drinks? What's happening here? Mm -hmm. Check them for a team. Check them because they don't have one. And the less they have one, the less of an outlet they have to discuss any of this. And it's That's tough. Right. It's scary. It's informational from all sides. They don't know what's best. They don't have a team. You cannot reach them. You cannot bring them on the human that until they themselves feel the magic of team, the magic of psychological safety, the magic of working together towards the human work. So start there as an HR professional, give your execs a team. Otherwise they'll feel like the locked in exec, like cannot talk about this with anyone. It's horrible. I'm not too sure what's happening. I'm afraid for myself. I'm fearful of all else. I'm, my imposter syndrome is through the roof when it comes to these people topics. I'm not sure if they should be in or out. These people are flashing money. Let me go retire. Consider what place they're in and, and help them out by giving them a team. Yeah. And being there their partner but and i think making the first step to me well not first but a critical step that i don't see so a concrete action is to make leaders aware of these hazards make leaders aware that you may experience something called imposter syndrome you may and most likely will experience loneliness you may experience fatigue and um you can manage and you should stop doing that if you want to be a, a veritable leader that's vulnerable Right. Well, you need to understand and uh, that that you aren't unique in that, right? That that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. That just means that you're actually experiencing what it is to be a leader. And I think the pressure we put on leaders in particular is pretty poignant right now, especially, and I know we're off topic, but especially given all the, the layoffs and downsizing that has happened. Uh, there was a Gallup uh, article that came out recently that talked about who was impacted in, in those layoffs, a lot of them were your middle managers. So they said, and here's some data for you, that um, in 2023, 64% um, of managers said that they had been given additional job responsibilities, 51% said they had to completely restructure their team, and 42% had to cut their budget. So of course they're feeling stressed because that is not equipping you and giving you the resources to do the work. And if we think it's bad at middle management, consider that all of those responses are probably true at the top, only they're even less allowing themselves to tell the truth mm -hmm. in any corner. So um, surveys that you take from the very top, take them with an even bigger grain of salt because impression management at the very top is rampant. You know, this is... There are some, some, some shortcuts there that maybe one day we'll spend uh, writing some ebooks that might help, I don't know, or some courses that will help. 
but I've started to kind of pass shortcuts to my team. And I recognize that that's not right, right? The, the right way to do it is to bring your execs to comprehending what's of any value or not. But equally, we might not have the time for that because um, the, the, the impression is that there is a lot to learn, right? The, the noise has made it look like there is an even bigger quantity. Mm, this feeds yeah. into people that are tired, into people that are busy, into people that are imposter syndrome about um, human things. They mm -hmm. will even less want to touch any human work. It is our job to go. It's not. This is noise. And it's not. There are five things you need to do not to be a dick and we'll do them together and we'll feel better. Um, and we need to just keep obsessively keep saying that to our people so that they buy it, they come. And we supplement that with giving execs a team. And I mean execs and middle management and making sure not one human being in your organization is not in a tight, psychologically safe team. Once you mm -hmm. have that, you're in a different position in terms of leadership. You don't even need to touch them in other ways first. Mm -hmm. Secondly, mm -hmm. um, give them tools to keep being a team. One of them, you'll see an announcement yesterday on, on my newsletters and on all our channels. Tech-led culture is practically donating software at, at, at cost. So you have something for this team to Coise around, to team mm -hmm. around, to talk about, to learn about emotions on. It's not exhaustive and it's not your answer all and it's not going to measure anything. It will give you, it will, of course, but it, that's not your, 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 your purpose. And by it will, of course, I don't mean, God forbid, that we will have some, some, um, hidden measurements or anything of the sort. Anything that happens is by the team, at the team, in front of the team, and it only happens at that level in our dashboard. But what I mean is the measurements are irrelevant. What, what means something is for you to have this, for you as a team leader, for you as an HR professional, and for you as a human fighter or human preventer of any kind, to have this particular space where you can go, right, how do we feel? And is there anything we can do about what we found out we feel like? Yes. And anyway, so there are resources out there. Go find them, whether they are software or they are ways to. But here's a quick one. Anytime you hear anybody talk about psychological safety, ask yourselves, what are they saying we should be doing as execs? And if the, um, the only advice you get is be more courageous or show more vulnerability, convince, please wonder whether that is something that's actionable. Please wonder whether that's something that is even doable by just example or just because you've decided so. Or is that not a product of you feeling like you are in a team and you are capable of doing so? So for, for anyone to tell you just be a more vulnerable leader, please take that with a massive mountain of salt because it's bollocks as well. It's That's not the, the source of it. The source of it is you find out why you're not vulnerable. You look at your fears. You understand when you employ impression management because you're afraid to come up as an authentic leader and you take away those behaviors, then you become vulnerable because you know it pays, because you have an authentic moment, because you're connected, not because some dude in a corner told you so. Sorry. Yeah, well, and I think when we go into this vulnerability, so vulnerability, I have a big problem with putting vulnerability as like the the call to action. Because what what first of all, what does that mean? Does that mean I tell you about uh, the time my dog died, like what, what are we being vulnerable about? Every time I talk about vulnerability, inevitably someone gets to crying at work. And I'm like, that is absolutely not what we're talking about. You can, if you I'm, want, you're not, we're not saying you should. No, but I'm not saying you have to, right? That's not what, so I think we should, I would like to replace vulnerability with curiosity. And that's both curiosity about ourselves and about each other. Because if we, 
I really believe if we start with questions, that is the best first step. And sometimes, and many times, that first question we should ask is, how am I doing and why? Because if we start there, even as lead, doesn't matter who you are in the organization, then you're able to understand what is driving my behavior, the interactions I have with people around me, what's holding me back, how can I, how can I adjust? I mean, we can call this EQ, but I, to me, you need to be a curious leader um, rather than a vulnerable one. I think I completely agree with you, but I think I also, let's take this particular topic, right? And let's kind of dissect it a little bit. And I'd like to say there are two ways to go about this. And we'll be honest, there's, there's a way to go about this by numbers. And mm -hmm. you can, you, you might be able to accidentally stumble across a number of formulas and the number of, of hacks and the number of things that will keep you looking like you're a, an efficient, acute, um, adaptive, new type of servant leader. The problem with that approach is twofold. One, it's tiring AF. If you end up having to do things by numbers and not from the heart, it's a lot more work. Just ask anyone who has to learn a speech for TEDx versus anyone who gets on there and just pours their heart out. A lot more work, right? So number one, that's number one problem. Number two, it's, it doesn't last. You cannot make a difference without having changed the, 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 the fundamental concepts that, that might be keeping that difference alive. So for instance, um, if you tell an exec, if an exec comes to you and says, hi, how can I be, how can I be psychologically safe? First of all, that's a very different question than how do, can I make my team a psychologically safe team? And I would rather that you had an exec that asked you the first one because they don't, and they don't know they should or they deserve it. So go back to what we said before. <laughs> but when they finally hey, ask you something. Move on. I'm going to put a pin in that one. I want to come back to defining the difference between how can I be psychologically safe and how I can create a psychologically safe for my team that's and how I can create a psychologically healthy and safe team. So go ahead. Sorry. Totally. That, that is a good marker. Let's put a marker, a physical marker. You remember how to do this. So essentially, that's one thing. The second thing is I think it's not sustainable because anything that people have learned by numbers doesn't last. It doesn't go to their core. I'll give you an example. The reason Alessandra is telling you to be curious is because if you start from a place of genuine empathy and you want to know about this person, you want to hear about them and you hear and you think of them in a human fashion, uh, it does several things, right? It, uh, it allows you to create a better connection. It allows you to open yourself and apply yourself in a, oh, now I'm in a different space when you, we are human. It allow it creates a different uh, corridor than you've ever had before in a professional environment. And it gives that person the knowledge that they have a human being there. It, it, it puts a coin into their well-being psychological jar. Now, the problem with that is if you're doing it because Alessandria said so and not because yeah, no. you genuinely no. believe it and because right. you felt that way and you really wanted to know about their dog, it's not going to work for you. More mm -hmm. now than ever, people are going towards authenticity, not in the way that we took pictures of our food on Instagram, but in that next level of real authenticity, mm -hmm. which is, mm -hmm. this is, this is not only who I want to show, this is also who I am. The, the, there were some differences in kind of how we've applied ourselves on social media. Maybe this is mm -hmm. not the forum yes. for it, but we have, are finally arriving. We, we, have, we have rambled all over the place. All over the place. Place. But finally back to this one. I think it's really important that, that we realize that if it's not coming from you, from having tested what a, a genuine 
connection moment is, as, as put them in that experience when they connect genuinely, humanly enough times. So they have that curiosity coming from a genuine place. Otherwise, they'll do things by numbers and that will only destroy some relationships worse, I'm afraid. Well, you know, you, you made me think of, and again, I'm just going to give up on us being on topic, but um, <laughs> is that uh, how few of us actually spend time self-reflecting to know ourselves enough to be authentic. When I ask people about self-reflection, I think I've mentioned this before, the biggest thing that they say is, I don't check in with, my, with myself because I'm afraid of what I'll learn. We have distanced our way of operating from ourselves. And so when we do that, how can I be authentic? What does authentic mean if I don't even know who I am? And this is where I think to really connect all the dots, we have to bring in the experience of neurospicy people into the community. Because mm. neurospicy people, someone was saying in an, an article the other day, here is a guide of how we did it in the workplace to become leaders that are neurodivergent, because we, you too can be superhuman. We had to. Uh, which is practically this continuous a number of these things that we've discussed today, not being quite sure what information comes at you from all the places, uh, not being quite sure if something you say is right or wrong and always having to think of how it lands with other people, always having to consider how you present yourself towards others and what is and isn't right and what is and isn't fair and what is or isn't necessary to be dressed up as small talk when it could be a real conversation. If we start looking at the neurospices in our midst, I put it to you, they had the most discomfort being a human debt advocate, and they are the most able to teach us all how to move faster, how to learn these um, adaptive ways of, 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 of dealing with our locked-in exec and, and worker syndrome. Yeah. I mean, look, we have to explore multiple ways of being and uh, understand what, what we're trying to get out of that. What is the business outcome? Because most companies are not nonprofits. They are not social enterprises. They're trying to draw, drive business outcomes. But everything we just talked about, um, curiosity, self-reflection, um, neurodiversity, diversity and inclusion and belonging, uh, which I, I'd love for us to have one one day where you just talk about belonging um, or, you know, we get to it eventually as we go on our journey. But anyway, um, all, all of these will make you money is what Alessandra is saying. All of these lead to <laughs> increased collaboration, innovation, retention, learning capability, uh, curiosity, change management, change adoption. I mean, you 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 tell me a strategy and i will tell you how psychological health and safety will help move that strategy forward not yes. just minimally but exponentially and how and you cannot get that done without it very soon that is exactly. going to we are crossing from psychological safety and good uh, individual and, and and team health are paramount to success and to performance to we are now crossing towards psychological safety and good team and individual health are paramount to existence in business. Because if you look at Grindr, and we'll leave you with that because we're out of time, half <laughs> of their people left. More than that, go look at it. Half of their people first tried to unionize and then left. So I would like you to go read that as the newest cautionary tale as to what's going to happen when this new type of human 
that will not let you call him a resource doesn't want to come back into the office. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way to end it. And with that, we'll see you next week. Meanwhile, try and uh, come come talk to us. Let us know if you've used the software and you now have this magical popcorn experiment in some some uh, some some company or other that we can then come come talk to you about and hear how you did it, so we can help other human work uh, advocates. Thank you for listening to us, and as usual, see you next week. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.